Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. Today's host is my dad, Chad Harris, who likes to take us turkey hunting. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 20. This is part two of the Section 8 process, and uh, this episode is more on Section 8, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, And as an additional note, I just finished the interview for episode 21 with a rock star entrepreneur who is just crushing it, and he's sharing insights and wisdom on entrepreneurial skills, how to get ahead, how to move your business forward. And so that's going to be next episode, number 21. Definitely tune in for that one. So last episode, we covered section eight, what the program is, how it's organized, and kind of how to uh, screen applicants who come to you with a voucher and how to get your house approved in the inspection process or some tips for that. So today is more about pros and cons and good stories and horror stories and how you should really assess whether you want to accept Section 8. Because in the end, it is your choice and it's up to you. There are benefits and there are headaches, but it really is uh, up to you. So Without further ado, here we go. Some pros to Section 8. Good sides to accepting a Section 8 uh, applicant are that you get your portion of the rent from Section 8 paid on time. That's true most of the time. And I can go into many cases where it wasn't, but it is good to get the check for their portion, usually on the second or third of the month. So... You know, with uh, with our business, we currently have a few, I forget if it's 15 or 20, somewhere in there. And so you get a pretty good chunk, pretty good check at the beginning of the month. That's always good. In certain instances, you can get higher rent uh, for your property than you could in the private market. And right now, I don't really see that in single family homes, but for a double In general, if I rent a three-bedroom half-double, I can get rent equal to a three-bedroom home if I rent at Section 8. If I rent at private market, it's going to be lower rent because it's a half-double. So for my doubles, um, if I rent them Section 8, I will get higher rent on both sides and therefore will get higher rent for that property, higher gross rents for that property. Another pro is generally I get longer tenancy. So, you know, it is if if you're going to move, it's a headache and a hassle and people don't like to move. If you are a Section 8 resident that needs to move their voucher in addition to all their personal items and you need to line up a new house and the process is an additional headache. So I found that Um, I'm assuming it's due to that, but it could be for any number of reasons. Our Section 8 residents tend to stay more years and have a longer tenancy than private market residents. Now, some cons. 
Um, usually if you go to a RIA meeting and you ask about Section 8, you'll hear, you'll hear the bad sides of the cons right away. So um, some cons would be the inspection process. Even if you have a very nice rental home, you know, inspectors are paid to find things wrong. And so the inspection process can be a real headache depending on what inspector you get, what mood they're in when they show up, whether it's raining or sunny, or I've seen the neighbor's dog affect the inspection. And um, in case you're wondering, I guess I should have started out with this from the beginning, um, between our current rentals that we have section eight and have for years. And before I moved to Kenya, I managed a lot of section eight rentals. And so I have literally been through hundreds of section eight inspections, have dealt with hundreds of section eight residents. And so I'm speaking from experience over many years, many people and many inspections. This is not any one individual scenario. So um, one con is the inspection process. And another con is that you, just, you have a third party involved and they're a government entity that, that doesn't act fast. So there are headaches with the process of getting a new resident moved in. Um, because of that, it is slow to be paid. So um, usually it's going to be at least a month more like six weeks to eight weeks from when you approve your applicant to when they move in and you could still not be paid rent for another three weeks or so depending on what date they move in so the pay is more consistent but you can be slow to be paid initially and in some instances you find residents who have an entitlement uh, attitude and this is not at all true for all Section 8 residents or applicants. This is just true for some, which is true for any uh, applicants or residents. But with Section 8, they're receiving their housing for free and may have lived in public housing previously. And so in my experience, there is a higher percentage that or maybe they're further from a owner mentality where they want to take care of everything. That's another con. All right, so there are definite pros and cons. Now, the best stories and the worst stories from over my years. I tried to keep this list short because I can tell stories all day long. Um, if you see me in person, just ask. I'll tell you plenty of stories. But let's start with some of the best stories. Some of the best stories. One, we had a house that uh, was in, had a Section 8 applicant move in. They stayed about four years. And when they, their four year um, residency, they had, they took perfect care of the house. Every year, their inspection had maybe three or four minor items. Um, about the two year mark, they, their income increased. And so Section 8 didn't even pay any of uh, their rent. They paid their full amount of rent and took great care of the house. When they eventually did move, they moved because they had bought a house. And so that move out process was very smooth. And so that is a perfect scenario where 
the Section 8 applicant was an ideal renter, ideal resident, took care of the house, very responsible, and the Section 8 program enabled them to increase, have stable housing while they increased their income and eventually bought their own home. So that's a great scenario. Uh, another one is a house I bought probably four years ago, had a Section 8 resident in it, and she had lived there probably 10 years before I bought it. So I inherited her with the property. And she has been an ideal resident as well. She takes good care of her house. When she calls for maintenance, it is due to typical maintenance and not damages. I'm on the phone and in communication with our office. She's always very cordial, great to deal with. And on her annual inspections, it's very simple and usually a few items. So in that instance, she is a great resident to deal with. The house is being taken care of by her as well as us in annual inspections. And it's a best case scenario with the Section 8 program. Okay, so we have two really good stories and we have just a couple of the bad stories. So a couple of the worst case scenarios. I had an applicant, this was probably three years ago now. She was an older lady coming from a bad situation. I really felt for her, did the background tech, or did the Income verification, she was approved by her voucher, did the background check, everything was clear. And she had an adult child uh, who was living with her or was going to move in with her. So the house went through the inspection process, everything passed. Section eight checked off and said everything in the house was up to code or their, you know, their standards. And so we signed a lease and the, the applicant moved into the house. And as soon as she was in the house, she immediately said things weren't right in the house and complained to us. So I sent the uh, handyman out to make any necessary repairs, which sometimes that happens. Sometimes you fix the house uh, to what you consider move-in ready and working on a house is much different than living in a house. So sometimes when a resident moves in, they find things that need done. Well, she had a list of things that needed done. We sent out maintenance man and she, within about two minutes, started screaming at him and making accusations um, as to what he had done and kicked him out of the house. And so I tried to uh, renegotiate over the phone or talk to her over the phone. She didn't want to talk to me, screamed at me, called Section 8 out, turned in a complaint inspection um, saying that I wouldn't fix anything, which was obviously not at all true. So Section 8, after about seven days maybe of her moving in, then came out and, and wrote up all of her complaints after they had seven days prior said the house was in good condition and so they stopped paying the rent well for me i am generally a problem solver so i called up the tenant and said you know it's kind of can go two ways i can make the repairs 
I'm very agreeable. I'll make the repairs and we'll get the house the way you want it. Or you can say the house is unlivable and you don't want the repairs made and you can move on. And either one of those would be fine. Well, the way it worked out was <laughs> uh, Section 8 broke our agreement because saying that we had not kept the house up. The resident uh, made accusations about our staff and all kinds of crazy accusations related to the adult daughter and um, threatened lawsuits and everything else. Everything was turned into our lawyer. And in the end, we never could evict her. Our lawyer negotiating with, with her lawyers eventually negotiated a settlement and she moved on. And we lost probably 11 months of rent in that whole process. And to make matters worse, when I, that house, we decided to just re-rent Section 8 because it was still in great condition, oddly. We re-rented it, Section 8, and when the inspector came out to inspect the house and said it was approved, he uh, told us that he was really sorry about how it had worked out with that previous tenant and all those months of unpaid rent that we were the third landlord she had done that to which is even more infuriating. So that is the worst case scenario of what could happen. And I've never heard of something like that happening with anybody else. Um, but we have had a bunch of crazy things happen over the years. And it could be that they just happen to be with Section 8 uh, tenants. But we had another one where it was a great applicant, um, you know, on paper, it was kind of 50-50. She was borderline of whether she would be approved, but I was, I really wanted to, to help her. She was coming out of projects, wanted a safer place to live for her kids. The house we were renting was in a quiet homeowner neighborhood, and I was kind of rooting for her. So she moved in, and for two years, everything was great. Ideal tenant, and then... One day, uh, Section 8 called and asked if I had talked to her in a while, that they couldn't get a hold of her. Um, I drove by the house, and the house was destroyed. All the windows were busted out. The doors were kicked in. Everything in the house was trashed. It had been that way for a little while. It had been picked through. Um, apparently, she had been on uh, some kind of medication, went off her medication and kind of lost it. And Section 8 was still paying the rent. Nobody was calling for maintenance. We didn't really know there was an issue until far too late. Uh, to make matters a little worse, Section 8 uh, said that they had, after they had called us and told us and we confirmed what had happened, they said they, they would backtrack on the rent too when they initially tried to contact her and uh, don't go into logic. It's not logical, but it is what it is. So they actually deducted rent from what they had paid. And then we had a house that was destroyed to remodel. So in that scenario with that house, I just, we redid it and just said it wasn't worth the risk anymore with that house and rented it private market. Had a great tenant move in after that. She eventually went on to uh, buy her own house 
and have another great private market in there. So it can go either way. I guess that's like anything else in life, right? It can go really well or it can go really badly. So if you are listening to this and you are on the fence, you're not sure, should I accept Section 8? Should I not? Here are a few reasons to help you clarify. Okay, reasons not to accept Section 8. It could be those horror stories scare you off. That could be it, but that's not on the list. Um, Reasons not to accept it. If your cash flow is super tight, um, then being paid slowly could cause you problems. So the slow payment could be a headache. If Section 8's not paying all of the rent, um, sometimes the tenants are slow to pay their portion. And if you're only cash flowing, let's say $100 on that house, if their portion's $150, you're gonna, you could find yourself in a headache or a dilemma of losing money each month or evicting somebody over $150. Um, so that's a consideration. Uh, another thing is, you know, it can be a struggle if you take your house very personally, it can be a struggle uh, when the tenant doesn't have a sense of responsibility related to taking care of the house. And that is not at all a guarantee. Um, it's just there is potential there for it. So it's consideration. Uh, additionally, Section 8 is, is hard to automate. So I like systems and I want my business to operate whether I'm involved with it or not. And I like things to be systematic. Section 8 is not systematic. At least in our area, uh, they prefer phone calls over emails. They prefer written letters still that go through snail mail. And so it, it's more, much more difficult to automate. And additionally, it's hard to automate with contractors because in the inspection process, Their expectations can vary from one person to another, from one day to another. So if you're looking to really scale and automate your business, that is a serious consideration. On the other hand, though, if you are considering accepting Section 8, some good reasons to accept it are that if you're in an area where you may struggle to find a good tenant, you can find a good tenant uh, with a Section 8 voucher um, who's either willing to live there or that, you know, it could be the timing on their vouchers tight and they accept that place to live. Um, that's one scenario. You can get longer term tenants. Uh, knowing that tenant turnover is one of the biggest costs to a business, and especially if you're trying to grow, turnover can be a real thing that slows you down. Um, then accepting Section 8 can help keep your tenants longer. The annual inspection process actually can be a very good thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a tenant move out after four years and you think, why did they never call for maintenance? There were things wrong everywhere. Um, And it's like a big surprise. You thought everything was good. They weren't calling for maintenance. And then you show up and they are. Um, There are other ways to handle that. But Section 8... Um, you automatically have an annual inspection process, and so you automatically go in and make those repairs, at least annually. Could be more. Um, Additionally, some benefits, you can get higher rent, as I said, um, especially on a multifamily, and 
another great reason is that you can help people. If you believe in the system, you know, it is not a perfect system. But if you believe that the system is there to be used by people who are in a difficult situation and trying to get through that situation and better themselves, um, then Section 8 is a great program to accept. And you are giving the, the person with that voucher that opportunity, right? You are helping them with that system there that is, that is there to help them. So um, I think it is a good opportunity and a good way to help people. Do I get frustrated with it? Yes. Do I have uh, plenty of stories and examples of success with it? Yes. Do I have plenty of reasons that I really like it? Yes. So it really is going to be up to you, your business and your situation um, as to whether it is right for you. I hope that helps. I hope uh, you continue to define your dreams, nail them down into goals to achieve it and keep working and hustling to get it done one door at a time. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.